Kia ora, aotearoa, and welcome to Generally Famous Stuff Podcast. I'm Simon Bridges, and every week I talk to a generally famous but always interesting guest about life, love, and what makes them tick. Today's guest is world famous supermodel Kylie Bax. It's so good to meet you and have you on. Oh, lovely to be here. Um, You've appeared on, I think I'm right to say, 12 Vogue covers. Marie Claire, Harper's Bazaar, Elle, etc., etc. You've worked with um, like the biggest names in, you know, photography, fashion houses and the photo shoots and the catwalks. I mean, I've got Armani, Louis Vuitton, Versace, Valentino, Oscar de la Rente, Calvin Klein, Dior, Alexander McQueen. I could go on and on. Um, but I want to go back to the beginning. You're a girl from Thames. I am. Um, the story goes that you were a t- teen beauty queen and you're spotted in a shopping mall. Is that is that kind of how it yeah. started? Yeah, that's kind of how it started. So my mother was a um, Miss Thames Valley Coromandel 20 years before. Amazing. So it was in the genes. Yes, uh, uh, yes. It was in my determination to actually be crowned the same as my mother. So following my mum's footsteps and... Um, one of the judges happened to be uh, a modelling agent. And was it actually like in a mall or was that? It, it was, was in a mall. What's the mall? Goldfields. So where's that? I don't even know. Um, is it I, Hamilton, Thames? No, it's in Thames. Yeah. It's in Thames. It's, wow. It was quite a flashy new mall back then. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so. And what on earth is a like fashion agent doing in Thames? He actually think? came from Thames too. Right. <laughs> and so then sort of like um, – was it was it that that changed everything and got you on the on the on the road, or was there a bit more in between that and you getting to, I presume, New York or somewhere? Well, I I was crowned um, I was crowned Miss Thames Valley Coromandel yep. um, when I was seventeen. Yep. And then the decision was was I to keep that crown or was I to go to be a model because it's a completely different lifestyle. You cannot. Yep. Back then, it was either one or the other. Yeah. So I abdicated two days later, which was a bit of a scandal. You weren't, <laughs> <laughs> what, you weren't allowed to be both? I wasn't allowed to be both. Because one's a sort of a um, nice, I'm trying to find the pretty amateur thing, and one's everything opposite I that. think I chose the hard road. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the road less travelled, shall, shall yes. I say. So, but it was, um, so I travelled between New Zealand and um, Milan and Paris. So I'd stay in Italy for three months and I'd come back home and I did that for three years. And we're talking like 17 years old to 20 or something like that. That's right, 20. 20 was when I went to New York. Wow. I mean, and and when you did that, so, you, you know, you're off to Milan. I mean, I've never, where did we say Paris? I've, I've never been to Milan. It's in I my, really love Milan. Oh, I, I can imagine. I mean, it'd be amazing. What do you love about it? Um... Look, it's not the most fancy place. It's not. It's like Paris, but Milan is the true fashion. It's got true fashion there. You know, yeah. got all the fashion houses. And yes. I was just extremely lucky when I went there, and I worked with lots of wonderful people and met great people. So, did you go with your um, mum or dad, or were you just kind of on the plane? Because um, this is before the. Um, I mean, you know, I'm not saying you weren't ten, but you were oh, 17, 18. There was no cell phones. There no. was no, you know, nothing like that. So I was, you know, um, my my mum came with me for the first two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, and, you know, I suppose, I, what do you remember of those early times? That I'm, I'm just, I, I mean, I can tell, I'm just interested in it because it's sort of like, 
you know, you're you're you know, you're a woman, but you're a child at a level, and you're and you've gone from Thames, small sleepy valley, nothing wrong with Thames, but you know, to um, to you know, high fashion, the most sophisticated kind of stuff in the in the in the universe, really. Um, yeah, can you remember it well? Is it like yesterday, or is it is it now a distant past? Well, those first three years between 17 and 20 were hard hard out, you know, walking the streets and meeting people yep. and clients. And you sort of had to have a really tough uh, tough demeanour because you heard, even though I didn't speak Italian, I started understanding what they were saying and some things weren't very nice. Yep. So you sort of had to have a really tough exterior and, you know, let things slide off your back, like water off a duck's back sort of thing. Um, I had a lot of determination as a, as a young girl. Um, I always knew what I wanted to do. And I just focused on that, and it wasn't easy. Um, but um, I think I think I was really naive. Uh, yeah. Completely didn't know what I was getting into. Yeah. Uh, I saw a few magazines when I was at high school, and I went, "Oh, that looks really great. That looks like a bit <laughs> of me." I saw Lindsay Evangelista in a picture, and I went, oh, "I can do that." And but I didn't really learn the industry. I didn't know who people were. Um, had no clue. Really. Very naive. And so when I wanted to go to New York, when they scouted me to go to New York, which was um, – it was Al McPherson's manager who actually scouted me to go to New York. And everybody around me in New Zealand was like, oh, you shouldn't go. You should just go to Australia because you're so, you're so naive. You yeah. know, you'll be eaten alive. Yeah. And my theory on that was, well, if I don't go, I won't know. Yeah. And if I go there and I fail – then I'll come back home. So you're sort of like around 20 when you go to New York? I was 20. And and, and look, without dwelling on it, but I kind of I sit there and say, so number one, um, so you firstly you're in the likes of Italy and Paris. And, you know, Italian men have a reputation and, 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 and you're 17 and 18, 19, and then you're in New York and we're – we're pre-social media, you know. We're um, we're we're pre you and me too. You're fundamentally well, you're a teenager until you you know you're not. But um, it, you must have seen all sorts of bad behaviour. I mean, but you, what you're also telling me, but you were tough and you kind of worked it out as you went. Well, I was very lucky. You have an an agent, a mother agent, an agency, right. and they have to be a good one to take care of you. And if they, you know, obviously if you're doing well, they take yep. extra good care of you. So you have drivers to fashion shows and you have, you know, you hook up with a flatmate or a, a girl who's living in the same right. unit as you and you sort of go around together and um, sort of like a buddy system, I guess. Right. But yeah, I definitely have been through in sticky situations and yep. how the heck do I get out of this sort yes. of thing. Um, but being a tough Kiwi girl, I always managed to – to figure it out. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I was very lucky to have wonderful agents yep. who I could turn to and, and ask for help if I needed it. And um, looking back on you and how you did, and you say, you know, you're a naive a girl from Thames and then you're in Milan, Paris, and then New York. I mean, have you got advice for, say, someone else who's around that age going into it now? Would you do – is there ways you'd do it better? Or do you think, actually, I muddled through, there are a few <laughs> sticky situations, but it was all right, they'll work it out? It's so different now. Um, right. You have to involve social media, so you have to have a high social media presence, first of all. So right. Instagram is all about it's all about getting your social media presence out there. Um, I think it's pretty much the, the – Basis is the same, you know. You have to be a certain height. You have to be, you know, be very determined. I just think toughness is is really the most important part. Uh, make sure you got your family behind you. And I've yep. I've always said to my kids, if you ever want to get into that industry, you always have to have something to fall back on. So 
don't leave school, um, have something else that you might be able to, you know, attach it to. So um, none of my children actually want to be a model. So that's 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 fine by me. Yep. Um, however, um, I always say to people when they do ask, because I get oh, often I get asked, um, you know, you have to have make sure that you have a strong family unit behind you and, and know that's really what you want to do because it's not easy. I wonder actually just thinking about it. I mean, we, we, but listening to you, it's kind of like today. So I hear what you say. You could, so it's changed a lot. We might talk a bit about that. But today, you know, we think of modeling. Maybe I'm wrong. I haven't thought a lot about this a lot, but maybe it's got a bit of a bad rep in a way. Do you think it's sort of at a level been, is it tarnished or something? Whereas that's, you, you're kind of telling me the it's something different that, yeah, look, there's a bit of that, but you know, it was a great career. It was a great career. Every career has got, you know, not, not everything's perfect and every career has got their, you know, imperfect situations. Um, look, I just think that modelling is, uh, we're, you're out there, you're exposed to everybody. Yep being able to say something about you. Deeply personal. Yeah, so if you're in a picture, everybody wants to pull you apart, you know, criticise or, you know. um, So you have to be very aware of that, that there's people out there who want to tear you down. And I think that really is the hard part, you know, um, because there's a lot of people in my industry that love to build you up and you've got to be with those people and enjoy that sort of, that part of the world rather than the negative side. And you were lucky in that regard to be pre-social media. Oh, yes, When definitely. there's going to be whatever, you know, at your level, you're on the cover of, you know, so many magazines and catwalks and, you know, billboards and, and so on and so forth. There's there's always going to be 100,000 people wanting to, um, well, put it bluntly, shit on you. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Um, so 7, 18, 19, 20, um, I'm just interested, how did you kind of get to a position where, um, you know, suddenly but not suddenly, obviously, you, you were the big time, you know? So you're there walking the streets. What happens? Is it is it the case that Giovanni says, you know, you're, you are so beautiful, I'm going to give you a break, I want to put you in Versace, and that's well, – I mean, how does it go? Uh, I actually made it really quickly when I went to New York, extremely quickly, like probably one of the quickest. Um I flew into New York and we were in a, we put, the new girls were put into a, a modeling agency house. So there were about six of us, six girls in this, I called it the dungeon because you sort of had to, it was low underneath the streets of New York. So it was on the, on the, you know, the bottom, bottom floor. And um, you sort of just had to walk the streets. They, they'd get a, get a call at the modeling, age, at the, the residence and they'd say, you've got, and you had to write it down really quickly, pen and paper, where you had to be. There were so many castings and so many go-sees, they, they called it. And it was just sit, walking all over New York, you know, to these different appointments. And they're all over the place. Um, and then you also had test photos done. So you'd go to that the agency would set up some some test shots for your portfolio because you walked around with a portfolio, big heavy thing. And um, basically that was your book, that was your advertising, that was your business card. And little did I know that those photographers and those stylists and the makeup and the hair were all reporting back to the agency and saying, well, this girl's got it or this girl hasn't. So after about a few of those, um, it was I, I guess it was this girl's got it and I got to meet Stephen Mizell. Now, Stephen Mizell... It's one of the really the, biggest The god of photography. He, he creates so many amazingly beautiful women and so many faces that you know today were created by Stephen Mizell. And the thing is, you 
first of all, you, your agency didn't call for an appointment. They had to call the agency. So, and then you were to go and you sat in a little room and um, there was a secretary at the front door and she would take Polaroids of you. And if he didn't like the Polaroids, <laughs> you weren't allowed to go and see him. God. So that was it. You didn't get a second chance. So you had to make sure that the Polaroids that she took were good enough to get through the door to see Stephen. Thank goodness I was, you know, I got through the door and I was thinking. He liked the Polaroids. Oh, I was thinking, what, what am I, what am I going to do? I'm nervous because I knew the importance of it. I'd only been in New York four months. May, I think it was August um, I shot. So May, I arrived in May and it wasn't even four months, was it? So um, uh, he looked at me and he has a dog there. What like, sort of dog we talking? I think it was a Jack Russell. Right. It could have been anything, but <laughs> I was just like, oh, that's a great looking dog. I was just trying what I went Find in there something. to actually move so I could position myself in all the different positions so that he could see my, my profile, my laugh, my smile, my cute face. My every, I worked it the few seconds that I had in front of him and um, that was it. You know, talk to me. I could not tell you what the conversation was about. And then that was it. And then you just sort so of. So he didn't photogra photograph you at that No, point he was just looking at you and talking to right. you. And, and but it obviously went well. It obviously went really well. So I, my agency got the call and they said, they really like you. He really likes you, but he wants you to lose 10 pounds. <laughs> and then go back and next week and, and see him again. And you weren't, I mean, you know, you'd, you'd had a bit of Waikato dairy growing oh, up, yeah. but you were thin then. I was thin then, but I wasn't, yeah. um, I wasn't thin enough. Like, like to, not to put it in a bad light. Yep. But you're either there's there's you have to fit the size two or the size zero clothes. But I was going to ask you about that. I mean, and not in a, I, I, I'm not. I'm actually not judgmental. I, I get there's you know all sorts of things around this. But but I mean, do you, do you have to in quote starve yourself? No, not you're anymore. Like, five carrot sticks no, a day. Look, I was naturally thin. So yeah. that was it. Was I was naturally thin. Take up smoking or anything like no, that? No, my parents didn't smoke. Yeah. I have never smoked yeah. in my life. And actually just on that as well, let's cover this. Well, it's a bit of a boring question, but I have to ask, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, plus size models. I mean, don't we just want to look at perfection? I, what is perfection? That's the question. Yeah, Everybody well, has a different right. opinion, and it's so great to be able to have these different size girls to being able to model um, as well, alongside so the So you like ones. the changes we've seen? I think it's a positive message to young yeah. girls. I really do. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it's important. It's, it, it, you, we're not all the same. No. You know? How's how's the look that um, we want from, uh, you know, a you were, you know, there was a thing in the, is it the 90s or about a supermodel and you were one of them, you know. Um, has the look changed? Um, is is you said look at it, I think you said before you know in terms of that thinness and so on it hasn't changed. Is that right or what's the or is it just broadened and they no, it's still just broadened? So right. you've got all the different sizes, shapes, and sizes. Yeah. Um, which is good. Yeah. You know, it's good. And when you become, um, you know, you get um, Stephen Meitzel, if I said it right, Meisel. Meisel. When you've got um, him there, uh, he's done that. They say they like you. Does this transform things? By which I'm just trying. You suddenly picked up in fancy cars. <laughs> you, you suddenly got flowers in the room. You know, living in the dungeon, as you called it, or or, or not really. Does it take time? Well, my father came over, 
and he said, you've got to get out of here. <laughs> so he was the one that initiated me getting out of the dungeon because um, I was working enough catalogue work to actually rent my own little apartment. Right. So he got me out of there. What did he think about your career of choice? Completely. I think he just didn't know. He just didn't know what. what? Didn't know he how had, to take it. No. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's a horses guy, if I got that right. He is actually an insurance agent. Right. And then he has you know, breeds horses. Right. Yeah. So. And you went to this, this – I wasn't intending to go there, but, but my mother went to diocesan Waikato School for Girls. You went there and you were boarding there. I was. So was that better or worse than the dungeon? Oh, God. I'm living in New Zealand now, I'm going to say. <laughs> no, that's all right. Um, yeah, I mean, my oh, my mother enjoyed it, I think. Did um, she? Yeah. I mean, we, it was hardcore. Know, we're talking 30 <laughs> Maybe years. Maybe that set me 30 up. 30 years earlier than you. So That might have been the way that I was you know, able to tough it out. Yes, no. maybe. Mm. Maybe that was what got you there. Um, what was a normal – so I actually, I stopped you because I, I, I do want to nail this down because this is interesting. When did you start having the high life? So I was actually on a booking and the agency called me and they said, you have to play sick. I was like, sorry, you have to be sick. Just, just tell the client you're sick. I said, I can't tell Bloomingdale's I'm sick. You know, I'm working for Bloomingdale's. I can't tell Billy Mintel, but Stephen Mizell wants you. You have to play sick and go straight down to a studio. I said, you tell Stephen Mizell, I will be there straight after work. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. And that's what happened because I thought, how could I respect myself? Need to honour your commitment. I, I just can't do that. I'm not that type of person. That's not how I was raised. And if you're good enough, he's going to take uh, that. Exactly. So that's what happened. I went and did, after my work, I went down to his studio. And, and is it, it suddenly then, like I've no idea, but is it suddenly then that you go from – a hundred bucks a shoot to, you know, I don't know, 15 grand a shoot or something? Is that yeah, how as soon as like, I've, um, I shot a lot, a lot with him and we did two covers. Um, the issue of uh, Italian Vogue has two covers and um, it's, it's a big issue in September and that, so I shot both of those and, and had 23 pages of editorial in there and so we were shooting for days and um, – I was just, I shot with him all the time and we had so much fun and I met so many fantastic people. Amazing. Um, so, but that's kind of the, as soon as you shoot with him, that's what agency uses to, um, you know, get you into other bookings and, um, yeah. Is it though, I, 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 well, I don't know that people would think this, but, you know, at one level, some people say, oh, very glamorous, but I presume a normal day is, um, well, maybe it's, is it boredom, 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 and then you're in a shoot and it's just a hard work for like a week? Or how, how does it, can you run me through what sort of normality I, I was, was like I was working every single day and right. I was lucky to get four hours of sleep. And a lot of the time I'd be in the studio in New York and they'd call me, you're on a plane, you're on a plane to Paris tonight. So my sleep time was um, that trip on the plane because I'd get off the plane and I'd go straight to the studio. So I was working all the time and fashion shows and runway shows are the same thing. I was doing a lot of shows all through New York, Milan, Paris, London, you know, that was, that's probably the craziest time is the fashion week. You're just running around doing fashion shows. Um, and, and I wanted to sort of say, well, how do you stay looking beautiful with that kind of regime? But I suppose you're, I suppose you're young and you bounce back and you can take it. I think that definitely is one of the major parts of it. I even with my children I think, gosh, to have that young energy again and, you know, not to think twice. Um, but I've always taken good care of myself and I think it's yep. come from my dad. He's always yep. been interested in the next 
vitamin or you know something for your body or health thing I remember him really delving into that and um, so that's why I've always been into the health and beauty because it's Essentially, that's what's the most important is to keeping yourself healthy to be able to do what you need to do. How long were you doing that at a top level, that, that, that modelling gig with the Stephen Mizells and many others? Uh, I would say about six years, seven right. years. And what would you say that's enough or Well, I sort of got, long got into the movies or? for a few years. Yep. And um, then I went back to it for another few years, back to New York for another few right. years. Uh Oh, look, I did a, everything I could possibly have done back then. I did it, you know, shot everything. I worked with everyone and I loved it. Uh, but then I had my beautiful children and obviously they took priority. Yeah, changed things. Mm. Um, how much your time's photo shoots, how much is it um, on the catwalk? I'm presuming for a top model like you, you know, we're in our, you're talking um, – a lot of photo shoot, when you're talking that sort of working every day in the plane, that's a lot of photo shoot work. Um, and then, but then what, there's, there's these seasons, you know, it's Paris Fashion Week or whatever it is, Milan. And, and, and so then there's these intense periods on the catwalk. Is that kind of right or have I got that wrong? And actually you're doing catwalks all the time. Or That's right. So you do your, your fashion shows and then you do your editorial. And then in between that, you do the campaigns for the fashion shows. So right. you'll see the girls who open the who open the runway shows generally have the campaign for that, that fo the photo shoot for that designer. So, um, yeah, so that it's kind of a – you're sort of on a circuit really. And run us through like – we just get to see the pictures at the end. Give us a sense of what's going on and how it goes in a, in a I don't know, the, the two or three hours that it's that it's happening. One of the what's – the, what's the best one in your mind? Can you um, say – they're very different, to be fair. Sometimes you're there from six in the morning all the way through to the, you know, later in the afternoon. You're actually preparing. So the costumes, the hair, the makeup it takes hours, and you can be sitting there twiddling your thumbs because you're you're waiting or you've been done. But they're extravagant. the The hair is amazing. I mean, it's unbelievable to be presented the way you are because you're not yourself. When you are you, a work of art. You are a work of art. It's incredible like the Dior show for example you're there all day long preparing yeah. and um it's it's just in, it's unbelievable it's, it's incredible the amount of work that goes into just that day let alone the outfits that on the dresses that are hand beaded and you know it's incredible you're wearing the pinnacle of High fashion art. Absolutely. You know, dresses worth gazillions of... And there's a theme behind it usually. I mean, okay, a lot of the shows are, you know, walk, walk down, walk back up. But there is a theme that the designer likes you to follow. Um, and um, John Galliano, for example, when he was designing for Dior, he, he would have a theme. And everything was different. And I remember doing his own show, which was the Galliano show, which was one of my first shows in Paris. And I sort of went, how am I going to make my mark... Um, as one of the big girls, really, because this is my first show here, you know, with these amazing models, Naomi and Linda and, you know, everybody. There's different parts in the, in the fashion show. And my, I was very much in the um, Native American Indian theme. Um, and I thought, I'm just going to worship the sun. I'm going to do my own thing down the runway, crawl along on the floor, put my hands in the air and you know, play the character, play the character they've given me with these, with these clothes. And um, that when I got off, they were all cheering and Fantastic. yelling. And, you know, it changed that a little bit. Yeah. Amazing. Um, 
Because that's a, that's a point around modelling at the level you did it. Um, you know, obviously there's a a, a first prerequisite, which you have to be incredibly beautiful, right? So that's, you know, check, you got that, that's good. I don't know that's true. I think right. you actually have to have a really outstanding personality to a point. It has to be what they're looking for at that time because prior to my era, there was that grunge era. So you had to be androgynous and, you know, like you know, kind of dirty and skinny and blah, you know, but then I kind of came in and we kind of, it was the happy go lucky girls that were always smiling and everything so what was, was your, easy. Yeah. So that was, what was your image? Was that kind of you? That was, that was us. So yeah, what was that girl next door? I was the happy girl, f- no, no inhibitions, kind of just like, you know, the girl next door. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and well, what I so I hear you, and I I, I think you're right. That attitude and you know attitude, and that that's all there. And then, but but you know what what would have been true is there'd be some incredibly beautiful women mm. who didn't make it. Yes, because they just maybe didn't have the mental toughness, that's or, right. or or somehow they couldn't. You saw that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I bet absolutely. Um, you must have met. I mean, just listening, just even the makeup artists and so on. From my very minimal knowledge of this, this sort of set of sectors, um, you must have met some incredible characters. I have met some amazing people. Tom <laughs> Ford. I used to um, actually wear. I we just to, sold for several billion, I think. But uh, yeah. yeah. Well, he when he was working for Gucci, he was a designer for Gucci. So mm. I was up there. He used to use only a handful of models, top models for fittings. And I was one of his main fitting girls. So I not only did the, the photo shoots and the, and the runway, but I also worked with him just like we're talking now. And um, he's such a wonderful person. Quite, it's, I might have him wrong, but I've, I've certainly watched a doco somewhere along the I mean, he's quite sort of a private shy guy. Have I got that right? Is yes, that but he's so charismatic. Yeah. He's, he's very classy. Yeah, he's got all that going on. He's just, you want to be standing there with him. He's just and the likes of the, I mean, I appreciate Carl Lagerfeld. Ah, oh, incredible person. Um, My wife's reading his um, <laughs> book at the moment and um, he's a crazy guy. <laughs> he's, he's very unique. I remember he and I used to like Diet Coke and we used to sit down at his house and um, during the shoots and he'd have his salad, i have my salad and we both have um, Diet Coke. Back then it was called Diet Coke. And um, and I, yeah, he's he knows what he wants. He's very determined to to. to you know, have what he wants and it has to be quite precise. Everything had to be very precise. But you could see that in the, the, the designs for Chanel, you know. Um, yeah, very unique person. Quite quite um, strange and sad in a way to think a lot of these big names that you mentioned, not Tom Ford, but, um, and, and, you know, I think Alexander McQueen, a lot of them are no longer with us. Simon, I can't tell you how sad I am that I haven't been able to um, see a lot of these guys or people, or my friends, again, um, Irving Penn, for example, extremely wonderful photographer. Um, there's just so many people that have passed, and mm. it's so sad. And, and and when you look at that period and the these huge global brands, but these amazing, curious, sensitive, prickly, bitchy, um, um, uh, uh, you know, characters. I mean, who who are some? What are some of the, just a small handful of the ones that you sort of say that really stand out to you and say that you know they. It, he, she was amazing. They were just that. They, 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 yeah. What do you reckon? Oscar de la Renta was an amazing man in himself. He was a beautiful person. Um, also, um, Anna Winter. I've got to, that was my niece. My, I've got here. My <laughs> wife wants to know: Did you ever meet the Devil Wears Prada herself? Do you want Anna to hear a funny story? Yes. You know, I said I was very naive when I went to New York. So I, I was shooting for Vogue, and um, I had no clue who Anna Winter was. No clue, and. 
I was invited from the photo shoot to dinner and it was a, an event, so there's quite a few people, but Vogue was hosting it and, of course, Anna was the main person there and we were all sitting on tables, um, fancy restaurant in New York. And I walked into the – I actually had to wear the dress from the shoot because I had, had nothing. So I walked into the restaurant and there she was at the door, but I didn't know who she was. So I walked straight past her and she taps him on the same shoulder and she goes, Kylie? And I said, yes. And she's like, I'm Anna, Anna Winter. <laughs> and I'm like – Oh, and then it just finally clicked, you know, oopsie <laughs> daisy. So, yeah, so that was kind of my introduction to people in the fashion industry were by, you know, meeting and learning. It wasn't from prior, prior knowledge. No. You'd, you, you went, had you'd no studied clue. up on all of the I, I histories of these things. And, I really should have. And oh, because you probably didn't have time. Well, you know, I was a kid. Yeah. I really didn't know much. Yeah. But I also should have kept, I did keep a diary of names and numbers of course they get old. And, was she, I mean, She's she, she sort of reputed as kind of like almost the most powerful person in this whole scene. She is scene. the most powerful and person. And why is that? Just because if she won't put you in the magazines or doesn't That's like her, you. It's her choice. Yeah. Exactly. And I had dinner at her home and um, she was just, she's just really shy, really lovely. I really like her. Kia ora, I'm Adam Blair. I played the great game of rugby league for the Storm, Tigers, Broncos and the Mighty Warriors. And I'm Goran Paladin, sports presenter and rugby league fanatic. I won a World Cup too. I played 51 tests for New Zealand. Yeah, he's a national treasure, people. Come on. Blairy and I, we're joining forces for a brand new rugby league podcast called League of Our Own. Each week we talk Kiwis across the NRL and of course everything was. All the big names, the big stories. And some of my own stories too. Well, if we can make them fit. We'll make time. Okay. League of Our Own with Blairy and Goran. Debut ep dropping on Wednesday afternoon and every Wednesday after that. You can listen through stuff.co.nz or wherever you get your podcasts. Proudly brought to you by Snap Rentals. Mate, your, your stories are way too long, eh? Nah, we've got to take them on a journey. <laughs> oh, the journey. Yeah, of course. <laughs> we've so much to cover and we're running out of time, but like, let's go supermodels. What about the, the, the other models you're talking about? I mean, give us a couple of, I don't know, it doesn't have to be stories, but... The, the ones you liked, the ones you – I mean, we obviously think of the um, really – Linda Evangelista I mentioned earlier. Yeah. And she's Because she was sort of like a role model I was you. warned about her. I so, said, oh, you know, Linda's coming. You kind of look like her little sister. You're going to, you know, be careful. She might, you know. And I was like, what are you talking about? But she was absolutely lovely to me, really nice. Most of the girls, really, really great. They just like to work. They work very hard at what they do. Um, they're obviously independently unique. So, therefore, you know, they're not scared of losing their position or, or their rank for example. Um, but Naomi and I, we always had a bit of a, a tussle. Yeah, right. she just decided she didn't like me. But she seems like she was that kind of character. She was that kind of character. Wouldn't have just been you. So she either liked you or she didn't, and then she could turn it on and off, she just whichever she felt. Yeah. Right, mm. right. Um, amazing time, though. Um, absolutely unbelievable. And and look, I mean, turning from the world of supermodel, I mean, you, you, you also, because you're in this, I mean, you are meeting global celebrities all the time. I mean... Um, I'm sorry to be so superficial, but people find it so interesting. I mean, where was it? Give, give me a sense of some of the big names you're meeting and the kind of the people that you. That's so funny because my daughter's asking me too, and I just 
And I'm like, I've met so many people. You'd say, probably see them on television, like, yeah, I remember. Yes, blah. I see them in the movies or yeah. whatever, and I say, oh, yeah, I know them. And they're like, what? <laughs> My kids are like, what? Um, I think um, Prince Albert, um, I met him quite often um, out and about, and he's a really lovely guy. Um, I know there's been ser- terrible things said about him, yeah. but he's actually a really nice guy, well, quite shy. But is it a thing? I mean, you know, in, you know what's – Obviously, Donald Trump and these like this incredible photo of you and Melania, is it? And and Bill Clinton. You got like president, future president. Is, is that the kind of people that modelling attracts? It's just a circle. You're just kind of in a one big circle. Everybody's in the same circle, and um, you take pictures. And you know, I mean, I've had lots of pictures taken with lots of people, um, but it's just you know the people in the same circle as you, pretty much. Um, so yeah, so. That that was very interesting. That Bill Clinton, I was actually at a dinner with. Um, uh, he was speaking at a dinner. And I was with um, with Mr. Lay, who was um, the owner of Ascada back then, and I was the face of Ascada. And I just remember wearing this beautiful beaded gown. And I walked up. Everybody, he'd finished, and we all got up from dinner, and we all went up to the stage to shake hands with. Bill Clinton. And Bill Clinton went from one end, the right side of the stage, right around everybody, came over and shook my hand. And it was in the USA Today newspaper that do they have a beat on. Could you, do you ever like, could you sense the charisma? You do. Yeah. Very much. Just sort of. Um, very, very much. Is it lucky there's no social media from back then? Yes. Are you, <laughs> um do you keep in touch with any of these big characters we're talking about? I mean, it, it's hard. It's well, it's been impossible over at a level, personally, anyway, because of COVID and so on. Exactly. And you've been here in New Zealand through COVID. Yes, yes. Um, but but you know, are any of these folks that we're talking about the the, the big designers? Look, or even Trump himself. I mean, you have any contact with these? Well, people? through social media, obviously, yes, I do. And um, through a lot of my supermodel mates, I'm friends with on on Instagram and thing. We talk all the time. Yep. Um, but if I, fashion world is funny because if you called them, it was even if you hadn't spoken in forty years, it'd still be your mate, your friend. You've worked together yes. in such an intense situation. You've got history. You have history together. Yep. Um, look, let's just do some quick fires here because there are things I we could have covered in lots more detail. But um, career highlight when you think about that time, something you say that was that was that that was the thing. I guess doing the Versace, um, Versace show and the campaign and everything like that, and and meeting with Gianni because he was he was just an iconic iconic back then. Um, so he was great. He was always said, "You're my favorite." You know that uh-huh. right? you're my favorite. Uh-huh. Oh, really? <laughs> Did you believe him? Uh, no. Uh, well, it might but be it, true. It I was don't so know. sweet. Just... I didn't believe him, but it was it was so sweet that he actually said it because he's not the type to hand out you know pleasantries. So I was like, wow. So what city is that we're talking? What is it? Oh, it's a long time ago. So <laughs> uh, time flies when you're having one. Um, do you have a favourite cover? The first two I did with um, Stephen Maisel. Yeah. For, for Vogue, is it? That's right, Vogue Italian Vogue. A, mm-hmm. Right, amazing. Is that the pinnacle, would you say, Italian the, Vogue? Is yeah, that kind of, definitely. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I mean, American Vogue is obviously, but it's more commercialised, whereas Italian Vogue is, is a lot more fashion orientated. Favourite catwalk experience? Gucci. Which is where that's Paris, is it? Well, it's Gucci's in Milan. Right. Yes. Yeah, so, but what they do is they stick this goddamn hot, huge light at the end of the runway, and you cannot see where you're going at all. So, um, yeah, that was it's pretty intense. And anybody who does the Gucci show. Mm. And, and was your walk amazing? 
It's so strange. I have had people mimic my walk, and I just, I just kind of walked. Because what was distinctive about your walk? I actually couldn't tell you. Right. But I, I got a lot of compliments, as I say, from Gianni Versace. Loved my walk, and a lot of compliments from did my. Did you walk. practice it? I did. You'd have to practice it. I did practice it. Um, I didn't have to after a while because obviously I was doing it all the time. Um, but as a young girl, all I would do is practice in front of the mirror, my smile, my best side, my position, how clothes looked on me. Um, it's a, it's a job, you know. There's probably two questions I could ask here, but you, you can kind of answer either or both. Um, your favourite designer, and by which I mean you could say, well, the personality, I and mean, you've already spoken highly of a few and including Tom Ford, but also the favourite designer to wear. Chanel. To wear. Amazing. Mm. Which was designed by… Karl Lagerfeld. Yes. Yeah, amazing. Um, favourite celebrity. Oh, no, I don't think I have one. Right. Oh, I've met a, some uh, met, um, really great people, so I've, I don't think I can say that I have a favourite. Um, there's a lot of um, men who are uh, uh, actors who are very charismatic and very sweet and kind, And but there's a lot of wonderful people out there. Yeah, it's a, um, it's a funny thing, isn't it, when you think about modelling? It's quite a... Um... You no, know who's really good, who's really funny is Tom Hanks. Amazing. And Rita, his wife. Amazing. Gorgeous people. So big, so and and it seems George Clooney have... is very all about. He's exactly how you, right? Yeah, and he sells a good coffee pod. You he's know? hilarious. He loves making silly jokes and pranks, and they're not just little ones too. They're big pranks. You know, so you'll go go and egg someone's home, or you know, <laughs> like he's funny. He's really good fun. Do you miss all of that? What's your sort of? Um, of course I do, but yes. I have a wonderful life here doing yeah. my thing here. Yeah. So. Mm. And we're going to talk about that. Look, so today you're, um, and it's interesting, is it? Because kind of full circle. I mean, it's not not quite, but you're living in the Waikato, and you know you had all the options in the world. Why do you sort of choose to come back so kind of close to home and where you grew up? It was always my plan to come back to New Zealand. Yep. So, um, because horses are obviously in my blood, and once they're in your blood, they they just don't leave. And even when I was overseas modelling in, in New York, um, I was looking through the catalogues, the horse breeding catalogues, and my dad and I were talking on the phone always about which horses we were going to buy. And in fact, I actually bought a farm in Kentucky. And, and a I saw that because you'd sort of told him you would, right? I, I said, you... I, well, I was nine years old. I was watching the Kentucky Derby. And I said, I'm going to live in Kentucky. And my mum sort of looked at me and went, yeah, right, okay. <laughs> And so I actually did. The first thing I did when I, I had some money was buy 100 acres in Lexington, Kentucky. Still got it? I first bought the horse, so I kind of got it around the wrong way. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I kept it for about 20 years, believe it or not. Built a house I, and I everything. The only thing listening to you about that, though, so number one, actually, I, I wouldn't have thought Kentucky is quite as glamorous as Milan, but just quietly, but you don't need to horse say Horse glamorous, different. <laughs> and secondly... Um, isn't horsing away, you know, you, you must be making big money, you know, at the top of your um, game. Um, horses are a great way to lose all that, aren't they? Oh, they can be, absolutely. Have um, you lost and gained a lot or have you been more considered with your father's help and done well? Oh, I've definitely taken direction from my father. But as I was saying, when I was nine years old, I was also studying the pedigree and the pedigrees of um, stallions and nicking them with the, with broodmares. So I sort of... I learnt my own way, and um, that's what I do today. But yes, you can. You can. It's kind of like, well, if you went and bought a whole fleet of cars. Yes. That's your passion. That's what you do. Yeah. Mm. 
It's um, a kind of the same thing. What is it you like? So you, today, as I understand, you're in the horse or the equine um, industry and you're doing sort of, um, you know, bits of all of that. I'm a, I, I lose my sort of words of vocabulary for this because I'm not, but, you know, you're, you're breeding, you're syndicating, you're doing the whole gamut of things. What, what do you love about it so much? So I've always been breeding with my father. Um, and then when I came home, I became a registered syndicator, which is fantastic because you get to meet you, – you, you, I'll put it in layman's terms. You take a horse and then you advertise it and lots of different people from all over the world can take a share in it and race it together. And that's the best part. So you're choosing the horse. So I choose the horse. I promote the horse. What do I have to pay to get into one of those? Well, it just depends. You can buy in or you can lease in. So. Well, I told you earlier I've got a lot of tax to pay first. Oh, you better you lease then. It does really nothing up front. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's about the socialising, really. Yes. And, I mean, also the glamour you go to. I love going to Randwick and you put on your hat. I mean, you do it here in New Zealand too, but Randwick's exceptional you, or, or Melbourne, Victoria. You, you put on your hat and you get dressed in the best designer gear. And it's it's a serious thing. You know, fashion in, the race, is, in racing is a serious thing. So actually it goes hand in glove. It with really you've, does. You've, you, you, you had, in a way you had horses before, you, you know, you became a model is what I can tell. And then That's you've right. had supermodeling. And, and now you've got a little bit of both of those. That's right. Um, did it take the, all of that said, and you know, I appreciate you can get your fix in Melbourne every now and again and so, but to take your time to adjust from being chased by the paps to being kind of in your sweatpants on the farm? No, I love it. Just naturally. I just it. love it. I do honestly have, um, a thing about gumboots. Because I'm more have you got like designer ones? I have Ariat gumboots, which I absolutely love at this point, but I've gone through a lot of gumboots and I hate gumboots but my Ariat gumboots I quite like um so yeah I've I'm now a connoisseur on gumboots so there you go um does Kylie backs ever wear sweatpants all the time dirty old crappy sweatpants oh I don't know about dirty <laughs> <laughs> I do wear farm gear which right. I, I like getting dirty but then again Simon I as you talk about beauty and health yes I also incorporate that into my horses because obviously I feed them yeah and and I research um, bloodlines and I research what's best for the horse internally to make them better. So I'm always trying to make them look better, feel better, because I also pre-train as well. Um, so I kind of go into it a little bit. It's not so fluffy as you might think. It's actually no. quite intense. Like I love um, investigating what makes a horse look better, feel better, run better, is better, um, breed it better. Massive everything. science yes. involved. Yes. Um, do you think you could have been a vet if you weren't a supermodel? Oh gosh, I my I did want to be a vet for a very split second, but then decided against it because I don't think. What, in all seriousness, what do you think? If, if you hadn't had the, and and it sounds to me like actually you would have made your own luck because you knew you wanted to do this and you were prepared to put in the hard yards and go to Milan and you know all of that. But if 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 you hadn't had your break or breaks, what do you think you'd be doing? Uh, well, before I went to Milan, I started studying marketing. I quite like marketing, but I think it would have been something to do with horses. Yep. yep. Health and beauty is a big thing for me and always has been. So I love um, – I'm, I'm very much into the science behind things like that. So I think it would have to incorporate, you know, making people or, or whatever it is feeling better, looking better, you know, whether it be internal or external. Mm, fantastic. Mm. Yeah, really important. And and just, I just having mentioned this, the sweatpants to you, I, I, I presume though you still do have the odd, um, you know, um, Valentino and um, I don't know, whatever, Chanel and so on in your wardrobe there. 
Um, do you follow that? And, 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 and I have a room. <laughs> I bet it's you do. It's not a wardrobe, Simon. <laughs> it's a room. Um, it's not complete yet. It's two floors. Were you given those? Is that how it uh, works? You, you, you do a fancy um, not, shoot or? Not really. I have been given a lot of things, but it's not like they hand them to you because the ones that you wear on the runway are actually the samples. They're the only ones. Yeah. So you you don't get those. Um, in fact, I, I remember um, I took a pair of shoes once and that was probably my biggest steal. <laughs> uh, and I won't ever do that again. But Naomi Campbell said I should take them because they look great on me. And, of course, being young, that's exactly what I did. And oh. I got in trouble with Versace because <laughs> I wore them last. Um, but they're still in my cupboard. He fundamentally knew, but you just kept quiet. I was like, yep, no, I have no clue where they are. <laughs> Oops. What do you think they would be worth? I hate to think because they're vintage now. So a lot of my things in my closet are vintage. So Do you, do you still follow it actively, though, and buy, or have you moved on from that at a level? Buy Buy clothes. I yeah. buy clothes. But I clearly, you buy. But do you buy the fancy stuff? Um, well, not so much because I live on a farm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. No. I well, buy the fancy farm just, clothes a lot I'm of the time. I'm just interested to know if you kind of. Um, no, no. Definitely. If I went to, if I went overseas, that, I would that. take an empty suitcase. Yes. Because I know where to shop. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Um. So where do we go if I, let's give you a free 10 second, 20 second if you want advertise. Where do I go if I want to get a syndicated horse by kyliebacks.co.nz or whatever it is? Well, I'm all over the Instagram at Backs Limited yep. um, and Facebook and Twitter and all of that sort of stuff. So it's Bloodstock Achieving Excellence, which is part, it's, it's B.A.X. So it's Bloodstock Achieving Excellence without the E. And um you know, I've had a lot of luck. Did you know the first horse that I bought was actually um, Beauty Generation? And I bought him for $60,000 and syndicated him. And um, a group of um, Taranaki boys actually got involved. We did a whole thing down there. And then uh, the trainer in Australia got people involved. And he's actually one of the highest standing horses in the world. So what were you made out of that? Bad he boy? went to Hong Kong and he's, yeah, you have a Google of Beauty Generation. Right. I, I will do that. Um. What's the state of horse? We don't be too serious, but you know, I feel, what's the state of the horse um, or equine in the racing sector in New Zealand at the moment? Well, getting reckon? a lot better. Let me tell right. you that the stake money is going up and everything like. There's obviously a very big journey, but because I race my horses in New Zealand and Australia, is Australia, there's so much money in racing. It's, it's right. unbelievable. The government there throws money at at racing. Um, so you know, I I try to take my horses that are half half decent over there to get some of the big big bucks like that we do. Um, New Zealand is very, has some very, very good equine. Um, we win so many of the top races in Australia. We f fly them from New Zealand and, and race them over there, some of the big races over there. And we're just, we, yeah, sorry, Australians, but we're, you know, we're pretty damn good at what we do. So syndication's a great way to meet people. I've had so many people from all over the world get involved in my horses and then they get together and they, They've got this one interest, which is the horse, and it's a roller coaster of emotions. And you get to see your horse race, and you get to meet each other, and it's just an—it's really fantastic. It's absolutely a fantastic ride, and people love it. So um, I would recommend it to anyone. Um, try and get my daughter's friends involved too at the share here and there, just to have some fun, fantastic. because it's a young person's sport as well. And you know, listening to you just saying, you've got a lot of passion. You've, you know, you've had this amazing career and. Modeling, you've and 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 you know, um, 
all that goes with that. You mentioned the movies, then you've you know you've you've got the horse racing, um, and that whole you know scene and and sector there, and you're obviously doing well at that. What's the future hold? Should I tell you a scoop? I need a scoop. You're the first one I'm going to talk about. This, this is quite scary, actually. <laughs> Don't be scared. Just be enthusiastic and go for it. <laughs> Woohoo! Um, so I've told you about my beauty, beauty and health, and how important it is to me. Well, I've partnered up. I've collaborating with Agracy. I don't know if you know Agracy. It's I've a, heard of it. They've, they're based in Pyra, and they produce fertilizer from seaweed right. from New Zealand seaweed. Right. And it's a s- sustainable company, and it. You know, it started off as a mum and pop place. And I remember my dad used to put it on his farm way back then. It was just a really, really small company. So I partnered with them because I walked in and I said, this is what I want. I want an affordable product, a superfood, a functional food, something that you can grab and go. Anybody can take it. It's not overpriced, but it's to help. We're full of nutrients, full of nutrition, just, you know, something that you can pick up and, and squeeze into your mouth. It's something that, that you know, all the health benefits and that everybody can feel Good because feeling good. Well, if you feel good about yourself, it eliminates so many bad things. Like it eliminates depression. It 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 makes you a different person. Once you start feeling good about yourself from the inside out, it it gives you a whole different perspective so, on life. So you're going to be involved in this. So I've collaborated food? with this with um, Agracy and the Development Kitchen in Wellington. So Agracy is providing the seaweed and the concept and everything like that. Development Kitchen's putting it all together, and Scion, which is a government-funded um, facility, they're coming up with all the science behind it, really. So we're also incorporating some really groovy new um, New Zealand products. And when you gorse, just... we're incorporating gorse as an extract and gorse. Can you believe it? That doesn't sound so... <laughs> Mind you, the horses like it, don't they? Well, I'm not, well, no, I don't I think I'm going to feed my horses gorse. <laughs> um, <laughs> they might get trapped in it. Um but Have you know, with seaweed is collagen boy. and nutrients yes, and all that yes, sort of stuff. Yes. And, but I don't. Want, I want it affordable to everyone, Simon. And and how is, is this? A, um, when you just described it, maybe I was picking up wrong. Are we talking like some sort of a paste, or it will be in more in the sheets, or it's it's your... more like in a, a soft tube that you can kind of. We haven't got all the bases down yet, and we no. haven't got the flavors down yet. I mean, this is the first product sample should be in middle of August. Um, so we're putting everything together now. Well, soon. What you got a name? We don't have a name yet, no. But it, it, I mean, it's I'm so trying exciting to think to of a terrible pun around modelling and seaweed, oh but I can't get it. But what I would say is, it's certainly true. For a long time now in government, you know, people have talked about seaweed as being this great opportunity for New Zealand, and um, I certainly know my children, my daughter Jemima in particular, she can't get enough of it. Really? She just, I mean, I'm I'm not into it, but she's just going for There's it. There's so yet, many so great. I mean, the Asian community know, know this. Yes. There's so many great qualities about it. There's so yes. many minerals and nutrients in it. Yeah. And yeah. Um, that's, I think New Zealand people are more, they're scared of it, but they shouldn't be. And good for you too. Well, what we really look forward to um, learning a bit more about that in due, due course. And thank you for the scoop. It's interesting to know what you're up to. I'm going to wrap up by asking the questions I ask every guest. Sure. Um, we call this section general knowledge. Um if you could be somebody else for a day, who would you be? I think that's really, really difficult. Um, I, oh, goodness, without sounding too weird and too snobby and too all of the rest of it, <laughs> I'd actually like to be um, um, Princess of Wales. 
Well, I think it's something I've never. It's an admirable. It's strange. You've kind of lived that life well, at I a don't level know. in a sort of weird. You've been to all the the gala dinners uh, and all of that sort of stuff. I guess so, you? but I think I'd like the intensity of her lifestyle. Yeah, amazing. Um, uh, and how interesting. What's your most embarrassing moment? I'm dressed like Barbie today, Simon. <laughs> so nothing much embarrasses me. I, I, I. Well, you wear it well. Oh, thank you. But you haven't it been was to just the movie. for you. No, I haven't. It was for you. I thought, well, this well, could I... be funny because then you can't really take me seriously. <laughs> I've taken you. I've, I've taken you very seriously. <laughs> uh, uh, um, look, but I like that. I, I, you know, look. If if I felt felt that my business colleagues would take me seriously, I would wear that. Would jacket you wear Ken? It's would you become Ken for me? Um. I don't think there's any danger of me ever being a kid. I don't know. It's something about my diet, not eating enough seaweed, being short, um, and and sort of 15 other things. But I like the way you think. Um, No, I think you look amazing. If money were no object, what are the first three things you'd buy? I'm going to tell you the one big thing I'd like to buy. Actually, I dream, I pray every night. This is, I'm serious. I pray every night. I would like a national park for New Zealand, um, like a Living Legends. Living Legends in Australia is full of um, horses, race horses. Yes. That, um, the, you know, they have a fan base because they've won the Melbourne Cup or the, you know, Beauty Generation, for example, he's there. And everybody can come and visit them. It's a wonderful big park. And full of all these beautiful horses, but I'd like to extend that more of a national park, like the Kentucky Horse Park. So you have all in one, so people can come and enjoy not just horses, but all sorts of varieties of. And I'm not talking a zoo, um, because obviously, like Olympic events would be held there, and you know, other major events. But a beautiful park that everybody could enjoy. Amazing, I like that. Well, if Winston Peters gets back at the next election, you just never know your luck. <laughs> um, which famous actor? would play you in the movie of your life. Do they have to be living? No, no. No, because I like Grace Kelly. Amazing. Mm. Yeah, amazing. Now, this is, I'm not sure, what's the strangest tradition in your family? Can you think of any? You can't, it's all right. I I think Trifle. I like a trifle. Do you like a trifle? Do you? We have a specific trifle. It has to be done just so. My mother makes a fantastic trifle. Booze? A uh, very, booze, very little bit of sherry, mostly yeah. ginger ale. Yeah. A lot of custard. I love the custard. Yeah. I love the custard and the peaches and the apricots. So we, we don't put fruit in ours, but mum puts boysenberry jam on oh, top lovely. of those. Yeah, but it's yeah, well, it's very kid-orientated. Well, you don't really want the fruit, though, do you? I mean, to be honest, you just want oh, the no, sweet Oh, no, you just goodness. want the good, yeah. Yeah. My um my mum and father, they're very religious, and they never touched a drop of alcohol, but but my mother did have a big bottle of sherry under the um, <laughs> under the um, sink that she'd just take a quite thimble or two oh, off while she made the trifle. So there yeah, I've go. always had a soft spot for the trifle. Yeah. Um, if you could choose to stop aging at any age, which would you choose? Well, the, I feel like that, this is more important. Would that be for you mentally? Would that be mentally or physically? <laughs> um, I think we were, well, no, I think it's both of those things. Because I think that's, that's, that's always the big thing. Like 23, I was so naive and I don't want to call myself stupid, but, you know, naive. Um, but it was kind of a neat way of being, you know, naive because then you were like a big sponge and you were learning World things. is your oyster. Yeah, obviously at 23 you look great, right? Everything's great. Um, so pro- physically, 23. Mentally, um, maybe a few years older than that. <laughs> Not sure. <laughs> nice, I like it. Yeah, I think, um, I don't know what I would say to that. Maybe... Maybe thirty-five. Well, feels men like a mature good age. Yeah. a little bit. 
more, yeah. uh, you know, they're... Yeah, I was still like 14 at 23, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's been so good to have you. Thank you so much. Been Thank really you so generous. much. You've been listening to Generally Famous Stuff Podcast. There's a new episode every Wednesday. You can listen to them all at stuff.co.nz slash generallyfamous or wherever you get your podcasts. In fact, if you follow us on Apple or Spotify, any of the podcast apps, in fact, you'll get the latest episode automatically. Sounds good, right? Thanks to my producers, Chris Reed and Jen Black and audio editor John Ropiha. I'm Simon Bridges. I really appreciate you listening. This pod took time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz support. I think you're conflating a whole bunch of issues. Don't want to be held to account well, no, on I, I, rising child abuse no, numbers. You can manipulate crime statistics. I, I promised I wouldn't have a tattoo about gotcha journalism. Hang into the National Party's no, attack line there. No, that, that, I think that it would be a resignation offence if I didn't deliver tax reduction. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're, I'm not worried about it at all. Nothing iffy in there. That sits with you perfectly fine. That's what, we're, that's what we're focused on. Whatever happens in politics, the weird, the wonderful, the important, the thought-provoking, we got you. Listen to Tova wherever you get your podcasts.